in the difficulty, you start to wallow in your own self-pity. Like, man, I'm running out of time. How much longer can I do this? Do I even want to do this? It's going to take me extra years. I could have been doing something else by now. Um, you know, but one of the hardest things about being an athlete, sometimes you have to reconcile with once you lose something, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like you may never get a chance to get it back. You know, as much as people want to be like, oh, you'll get another chance next year or your best days are still ahead. Like you might not get this back. Mm-hmm. What may have been lost, maybe lost forever. And it just wasn't meant for you. Mm-hmm. It's in someone else's trophy case and they're going to be celebrated for it. And you just got to get over it. Uh, and so I think that that's something that I've had to deal with, but it's also made me a stronger individual spiritually because I've learned that every place that I've been is where God desires for me to be. And there's a lesson for me to learn from every loss, every victory, every difficulty, every level of adversity that I face. Like I have something to learn from it. Welcome to the Darren Woodson Show. Uh, today, today we... Tyler's giddy today. Oh, yeah. Hey, y'all. All giddy I have been looking here. forward to this. <laughs> so I've been talking to these guys about, hey, you want to get a real athlete on? Let's get a wrestler on. <laughs> I mean, that's what we need. If you guys want to understand and share inspirational stories and what grit really looks like, get a wrestler on. They're like, oh, no, 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 no. Ben, he's like, I'm just a big fan of the dudes that do curls in the gym. Let's talk to those dudes. All about protein shakes and curls. Hey, They're going to give you everything you need to know about life. I was like, just wait till the wrestler gets on. Uh, unless he can curl me, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> but uh, today's guest, we're going to jump right into it because we got a lot to cover. Um, you know, he may not want to talk this much, but we're going to pull a lot yes. out of him because I got a lot of questions. Uh, but today we have, um, I mean... Right now, arguably the best wrestler that the United States has. And, and I don't even know if it's arguable. Like, it's literally, he is literally the best wrestler mm. uh, that the United States has ever seen on a uh, post-college you career. You know how big right? that is? Like, this, what you just said, how, how big that really is. You can't just say, like, in the United States. Yeah. Like, it's like the football players. Like, you know, Tom Brady is the greatest football player yeah. in the United States. Like, mm-hmm. that is, that's tremendous. Yeah. So, so people. our guest, okay, so we were talking about this. Is it six or seven world titles? Because you have, there's the different divisions. Six total. So I've won five world championships, mm-hmm. and then I won a gold medal in 2012. So okay. six total. Six yeah. total. Yeah. And what that, a loser. And that voice that you hear is none other than Jordan Burroughs, who wrestled at University of Nebraska, is a New Jersey native. We're going to get into the history. Uh, but as you mentioned, a five-time world champ and a, an Olympic gold medalist yeah, in the sport of wrestling, awesome. the oldest sport in the Olympics, the sport, which, again, I don't get me started on this whole talk about removing wrestling from the Olympics. Don't even get me started there. But, <laughs> but, Jordan, man, thank you so much for joining us over uh, over in Philly. Yeah, thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, again, we we're gonna share your journey, and let's start there. Let's talk about what it was, what it was like growing up, what your family dynamic is, and. And then we're just going to start peppering you with questions, man. We're going to be those little fangirls over here just uh, <laughs> asking all these questions. You know, like I was just middle class. Like there's nothing special about my start. 
I was just uh, an individual that I basically got a flyer from my local elementary school when I was a kid. They would pass them out weekly. Sometimes in each season, it would be football. Then it was track and field. It was wrestling, basketball. Um, and so wrestling was just something that I kind of gravitated toward because I w- liked watching the WWF when I was a kid. The WWF. Macho Man and yeah. Hulk Hogan and all those guys were my favorite wrestlers. So I never even followed guys like Kale Sanderson and John Smith and you know Dan Gable. I never watched wrestling before when I was a kid. All I knew was the guys that I saw on TV. Um, and so basically my mom just took me down to the gym one afternoon after school and like it just stuck. My dad took me to my very first tournament. I went one and two at that tournament, but I won a participation trophy. And so I thought that I had actually earned it. I didn't realize that only winning one match wasn't good enough to get you a trophy. So they gave it to me and I was excited to bring it home, show my siblings, show my mom. And that was kind of what stuck me. So every tournament before it began, my dad would take me to the trophy room and he showed me all the trophies that were laid out. And he say, you see that tall one over there in the corner? And I'm like, yeah. He's like the tallest one with the guy in gold standing on top. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's the first place trophy. You win all your matches today. That's the one you bring home. And so that was like always my inspiration. Every time I go to a tournament, dad take me to the trophy room. I look for the tallest trophy. And that's the one I visualize winning at the end of the day. So that was kind of how it started. And I was the youngest of four. I was the run of the family. My first weight class was 45 pounds. I was a nugget. I was a <laughs> what, 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 what category is that? Like the wind class? Yeah, the st- stiff wind will blow you over. <laughs> they call it the top. I was a top. Top forty-five was my uh, was my very first weight class. Um, so I was a small little guy, but I loved it right away. And I was scrappy. I was competitive, and I, I loved it. Bro. I, I don't. I don't want to derail too much here, but I, I got to go back to the WWF because you and I are about the same age. I, I, yeah. Please, please enlighten me and tell me that you did what I did as a kid. You'd have your parents drive you to the video store, and you would rent every single Re- World Wrestling Federation video that was available at the video store. That's what we used to do as a kid on Friday night. Nope, just you, Ben. <laughs> Everything, bro. Like, we had the games. We'd make our creative yes. players. We had, we had the big ring. And what we would do, we had all the action figures. Every time we went to Target, Walmart, Kmart, we'd look for the new action figures, and we kept them in a big, uh, a big plastic bag that was like a comforter bag. We had like a hundred action figures, so we like literally we were into it, bro. We oh had yeah, Facebooks, everything. So that was like kind of what we enjoyed when we were kids, and they were like, "Damn, we can wrestle too." Uh, so it was it was a much different vibe when I got to the gym and I saw that guys weren't getting through tables and hit the chair. <laughs> Pretty cool. Like we we enjoyed it right away, and uh, it was something that I kind of took to. So it was that's fun. awesome. So how old were you when you went to your first you know first wrestling practice? Six. I was six years old. Six. Okay. And your mom took you. My mom took me, bro. So my mom was, uh, and no one, my parents didn't even play organized sports, which is crazy. Mm. So, like, you Olympian, parents probably were phenomenal athletes. Yes. My mom grew up in the city. My mom was from Camden. Dad was from Philly. Um, and so they grew up in the city. It just wasn't a part of their lifestyle. So we moved to the suburbs so they could give us a better life. And naturally, they just, we just kind of gravitated towards sports. And so, Although my parents didn't play sports, like my dad really appreciated and respected sports. So mm. he just like taught me principles. He knew nothing about wrestling. So that was a great thing. You see all like these trophy parents where you're like, the parents are going hard. They're yelling at their kids. Like I never had that. Cause my dad didn't know moves. So like he couldn't tell me anything. He would just be like, wrestle hard. Like, so he basically tell me, wrestle hard. Um, don't quit and don't cry if I lose. Like those are mm. the only three that he would tell me. What else do you and need? I, 
still cried every time I lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I want to stay on that though. I mean, as a kid, you see a lot of kids that do just that. You know, when they when they lose a match, uh, what's your thoughts about that? About you know, a kid maybe seven, eight years old just lost a match and he's crying. He's a little, you know emotional about it. Are you okay with that? Ah. You know what? I, I really just depends upon like what they're thinking is the consequence of them getting beat. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like when you're a kid, you really don't understand. And you're not even putting anything into it. I'm like, bro, you practice twice a week. Yeah, like right. how could you win? <laughs> <laughs> right. You've invested nothing. You've made no sacrifices. So it's a little different now when you actually, this is your job. You do this for a living. You put a ton into it. But I think when you're young, one, you, you feel embarrassed and ashamed. You don't want to face your parents because you think mm-hmm. they're going to be angry at you. Two, if there was some sort of prize or concession that you would get for winning, like a, a new pair of wrestling shoes or ice cream, a pizza party, like you don't get that. And then I think lastly, like I wanted that trophy. So that was kind of why mm-hmm. I cried. Yeah. So yeah. I would go hide under the bleachers and my dad would yell at me. He snapped, get out of here. <laughs> if you would wrestle harder, you wouldn't have lost. Uh-huh. And then my mom would come and she would comfort me and console me and make sure yeah. that I was go but like my dad he was he wanted me to win and he knew a lot about me so he knew when I wasn't giving my best Mm -hmm. and that's what kind of always irked him a little bit he's like listen if you really want to be great at this you're gonna have to give a maximum effort every single time Mm -hmm. and so I wouldn't it was like hey bro that's on you um funny story is talking about the trophies is one time I was in a really big match I was in the county finals I got beaten overtime so anyway at the end of the day the second place trophy was much smaller than the first place trophy. So I'm sick, right? I'm going to the trophy room. I don't even want to get the second place trophy. I'm like, this thing's stupid. It's all tiny. I want the big one. And so I get my the little ticket after you would wrestle in the finals match, they give you a little ticket to go pick up your trophy from the trophy room. So I remember giving it to my dad and saying, Hey dad, I don't want to get my second place trophy. Can you go get it for me? He's like, Nope, I ain't getting it. And I'm like, uh, come on dad. Like I, I really don't want to get it i'm sad i lost i want you to get it for me he's like i'm not getting it and so he's calling my bluff anyway we walk all the way to the exit door of this high school gymnasium and he looks at me one more time and he says listen you earn this trophy you have to go get it yourself if we walk out of this door and we get into this parking lot this trophy's gone forever i'm not going back and get it for you you earn second place you got to hold yourself accountable and go and get it and so i remember thinking about it for a second and i was like damn so I just ran back and, and I, and I had to be, <laughs> hey, just, hey, just drop it in the bag. Just, just put it in the bag. Don't be put it on my neck. Just hand it to me. I'll put it inside my backpack. Um, but it, it's like little stuff like that or little lessons that my dad taught me about accountability, personal responsibility. And that kind of always stuck with me as I grow mm-hmm. What did your dad do, did you say, for a living? He's a construction worker. Okay. He just retired. So like blue collar. Yeah. Every morning he putting on his boots at 5 a.m. He's like, yo, listen, you have the ability to control your destiny. Continue mm. to work hard. Work hard now and then live the rest of your life the way you desire to live it. And that was always something that, like, he enforced. So he would always, like, press, go to college, get a scholarship, train hard, earn your keep, and then control your destiny. He's like, my, and my dad was a hardworking man. He did what was necessary, but, like, he didn't love what he did. Mm. He would always say, listen, if I could quit now, I would quit but I got you and your sisters and brothers and your mom to take care of. So this is a responsibility of mine, but you are in a different position. Like you have the ability to control your lifestyle um, at a young age. So that was pretty cool too. So at what age, you know, you see your dad doing something he didn't love, but he instilled hard work in you. You saw the hard work from your dad, but at what age did you start to see 
that hard work translate to success? You know, you mentioned, okay, hey, I lost in the county finals. You know, you were a state champion in high school. But at what point you're like, okay, I, I love this enough that I feel like, okay, I'm good enough to continue on with the sport. Yeah, probably my junior year of high school is when I first realized, like, I can go to the next level. Mm-hmm. The scholarship, because like, my high school coach would always ask me, what do you want to do after high school? And I don't know. I was like, I guess go to college and wrestle maybe. I don't know. This is kind of like the natural progression of things, but I wasn't good enough at the time. I didn't place in the States in my junior year. Um, so I wasn't highly recruited. A lot of people weren't coming after. I got zero. I went on zero official visits in the fall of my senior year. Wow. I, got zero, I got zero calls on that July 1st after my junior year. So like I wasn't recruited at all. I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I was gonna have to go to Juco, um, try to figure out, you know, where I was and earn success and then potentially transfer to a division one school. So my story was, it was pretty wild as I started to realize that I wanted to go to the next level. Cause you know, I came from a middle-class family. So like it wasn't traveling our star teams. You didn't mm-hmm. go to the best high school in the state. You didn't transfer to private schools in your area. Like, you just went to the school that was in your district. That's what it was. And you went to the local wrestling club. So like, we didn't have a ton of, you know, things at our uh, disposal. Like we didn't have great coaches. We didn't have, you know, great training partners. We weren't traveling all around the country to compete. We just kind of did what was available to us. So what was right in front of you, you, so you didn't really have a real passion. It wasn't, was it a real passion for you in in high school? It wasn't. So you're just putting in part, part time work. I wanted to play football. Mm. I really wanted to play football more. Um, so I played football for about six years when I was a kid, and I finished up my freshman year because I was I weighed 100 pounds when I was uh, when I was a freshman. I wrestled at 103, wow. and so I got to my freshman year, and I looked at all the NFL rosters, and there wasn't a single guy in the NFL that was five foot three and weighed 100 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I'm gonna have to change my my, my goals. I ain't making it to the NFL. But like, I, that was always my desire. I grew up like as a big time football player. Um, and still I love football. Like anytime I get a chance to play football, I love it. Mm-hmm. I, I see myself as like a small slot receiver. Cole, mm-hmm. Be- Cole Beasley. Like, Beast. Dad. Like that, that's, that's kind of the vibe that I've always seen myself as if I, if I had a chance to, to play football. I, I, I love it. I think of Darren Sproles. You think of five, three. I'm not yeah. that fast. Bro. That's the no. thing. <laughs> I, I got, I got agility and like quickness in small spaces, but I'm not as fast as Sproles. Right. I, I, I was going to say, I don't know if I've seen any NFL player be as explosive as you are on the mat. I don't think there's anybody on yeah. that it's field. Though, I, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. That's <laughs> true. So it's, it's a lot easier, but you know, it's funny because when I played football, I played a lot of defensive back mm-hmm. and I was afraid to hit. Like I never wanted to go heads up with anybody. So, like, he was afraid to hit too. That's a lot. A running back coming off of a toss or a sweep on the outside, and I had to make an open field tackle. I always go low because I never wanted to go heads up with someone. Mm. But if you watch me compete now in wrestling, like go heads up all day. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that blast double. I'm gonna put my forehead in your chest. (laughs) Maybe maybe it's because we had helmets. I needed no helmet. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That slowed you down, man. It's just getting in your way. All right. So so your junior. What did you end up placing your junior year in high school? I was second. Second. Was okay, so you so you got to the finals, right? So you got a taste of the big show. And in yeah. Jersey, for those that aren't familiar with uh, with with high school collegiate wrestling, there's there's a handful of states that are known to be like really strong in the wrestling. Mm-hmm. New Jersey's one of them. Pennsylvania's another. Um, obviously, the Iowa's. Um, Oklahoma surprisingly has some good programs. California. Yeah. So there's a handful of states, right? And, and Jersey is one of oh, them. Yeah. 
<laughs> so you got a taste, you got a taste of the big show. Was it that that motivated you for your senior year? And it was, it, or was it the lack of response following your junior year and getting to the finals that motivated you? I, I like how you snuck Callie in there. Yeah, yeah I, I know. Of course he was. You know he was. George, you knew it was coming. No, I, I think I placed second in the state as a junior because I started to really develop an identity as a wrestler. Okay. Like when I was young, I never really knew what my, what I was good at. So I would try to like pick little things from other wrestlers, but it didn't really suit me or fit my style, my, my build. Um, so my junior year is when I started to actually like be confident, give myself permission to win, like stop being afraid of the guys that were highly ranked um, and really just started competing. Um, and that was when I started to see like some of the effective changes. So after taking second in the state, my junior year, realizing that the hard work actually works when I believe I went mm-hmm. from not placing to being a state finalist. I'm like, damn, like this works. Like I can mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of led me to my senior year where I was operating at a different level. Like I was functioning with more excellence. Like I was trying to win every sprint at practice. I was lifting hard. I was training hard. I was trying to find tournaments and go to practices more often. Like there was just a certain level of like, confidence that I just exuded after taking second in the state and people started to believe in me. I started to get invited to more practices with higher level competition. Uh, and it really just kind of propelled me a little bit. Can, can you pinpoint anything that, that propelled you or was it simply you just wanted to win? Was there something else that, that was propelling you to work extra and practice and go to more tournaments and yeah, do all those sort of things? So my, my best friend, my very best friend, high school teammate, he was a two time state champ. We were next door neighbors. So we started wrestling the same exact year. He was seven, I was six. And we ended up living next door for about 10 years. And he got a scholarship to go to the University of Nebraska. Mm -hmm. He was a year older than I was. So his senior year was my junior. So I watched him go through the whole recruiting process. I watched the coaches come out and, you know, court him, knock on his door. I was there for his first in-home visit. Mm. And so that inspired me. I was like, damn, like, my best friend's going to Nebraska. He's going to college. He's getting a scholarship. He's getting good grades on the SATs. Like, all these things were happening for him. And I wanted that for me. So mm-hmm. when it got time to get recruited, there weren't really many people recruiting me, but I had my best friend inside the system at Nebraska. And he put in a good word for me with the coaching staff. Like, hey, you got to go watch this young kid, Jordan Burroughs from Jersey. Like, we wrestled together. He's tough. He's committed. He's going to be disciplined. He's going to be a good teammate. Um, and so that really was the only reason why they started recruiting me. And I took care of business. Like, I won the state championship my senior year. But having someone inside really mm-hmm. helped to, to get those guys on my radar. And then also, you know, it just kind of like elevated me where I wanted to kind of follow him and do everything that he was doing. Mm. So in high school, and, and I want to transition to college here in a second, but in high school, what would you say like you established your style to be? Because like a lot of wrestlers like, okay, hey, there's the flashy, like, hey, high scoring, high offense. And then there's the guys that just wear people down there or there's a defensive wrestler. What was your style in high school? Was it just like, hey, I'm just going to I'm going to push it to the limit all the way to the very end and wear you out. What was it? No. So it was a little bit of flash, okay. um, a little bit of flash. I realized I was a good athlete. So I had some speed and some athleticism. So I used to try to use that to expose my opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't really gritty yet because I didn't, I didn't really have to. Like in, in high school wrestling, if you're really good, you get maybe two, three tough matches a year. Right. You don't really wrestle a lot of good guys all the time. So you spend a lot of time just like practicing um, in preparation for the best guys. But I wasn't really refined. So when I would wrestle the best guys, like I realized that there was technique that I had to improve on. But 
my conditioning was always great. So my coach would always tell me, hey, listen, you might not be the best wrestler, but you're always going to be in the best shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always going to be prepared to mm-hmm. win. Even if you lose, this guy's going to remember that he beat you and how hard it was for him to beat you because you wrestled so hard for the entirety of the match. So mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the things we prided ourselves on. It's like, even though our technique might not be great, like we're going to be well conditioned and we're going to fight hard. And that mm-hmm. was kind of what helped me. So, so you transition. So now you go to the your your scholarship at the University of Nebraska, or yeah, so wild. So, so I'll tell you the story real quick. In a nutshell, basically, there were two guys that were in my same weight class that Nebraska really wanted that Mm -hmm. went elsewhere. One of them was Bubba Jenkins, who went to Penn State. Another one was Darian Caldwell, who went to NC State. And so, when those guys both chose other schools that they were highly sought after, they had a little bit of scholarship money left on the table. And so I didn't sign um, my national letter of intent until April of my senior year. Wow. Uh, and so it, I was a super late entry mm. in the University of Nebraska. And basically, they just threw me a bone. They were like, all right, your buddy Vince is on the team. If, and he's really good. So maybe if you come along with him, you can kind of help him deal with the homesicknesses that he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. And he'll be our guy. And you can kind of maybe develop here. We'll see what happens. But he was the better of the two of us growing up. Um, mm. And so I, it's funny. I always tell people, I was like, when I was a kid, I wasn't even the best wrestler on my street. <laughs> <laughs> I became the best wrestler in the world, you know, because Vince, me and Vince were always neighbors. He was a two-time state champ. He was nationally ranked. He got a scholarship to Nebraska before me. So I was just basically his little bro following him around. And then when I got to Nebraska, I just took off. Mm. That, that's what I keep thinking is one of the best wrestlers of all time was barely even recruited. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it didn't happen till late for you, which is so inspiring for us that think that, oh, Jordan, he's always been good. It's always been, been easy for him. No, you didn't even get recruited that highly out of high school, and then you, but you went on to be one of the best ever. Yeah, man, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a blessing, bro. I, being on this ride, I feel like I'm on it too. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something – I work. I do. I'm diligent in my training. I'm focused. I'm disciplined in everything that I do, but still – there's a lot of blessings that I've encountered on this way. Cause I, I've been with a lot of people that work hard just because you work hard. I mean, you don't win. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just kind of the natural order of life. So, you know, I've won, I've had some favor. I've had some luck accompany me as well. And then also I just had a great team of people around me, a lot of yeah. great coaches, great training partners, and everyone's just really been selfless. So things just kind of worked out for me. Timing was huge. Yeah. So you get to Nebraska and your freshman year, as, as you would put it, was not the easiest transition. Tell us a little bit about your, your freshman year. Yeah, I, I stunk. <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting to Nebraska. So I won my state championship my senior year, and I wore my state championship jacket to freshman orientation when I got to Nebraska. So I was big dog. <laughs> so I introduced myself to everybody, like, what's up, Jordan Burrow, state champion from New Jersey. What's up? My name's JB, state champion from New Jersey. And we had guys on the team in that same recruiting class that were three-time state champs. We had one guy that was a four-time state champ, never even lost a match in high school. Oh. I remember that same day I went back to my dorm room. I took the jacket off. I folded it up, put it in a box, never wore it again. <laughs> I was like, damn, bro, I ain't do anything. That was like the first day I realized every single guy on this team was the best from their high school, oh, the best yeah. in town, the best in their state, city. Um, so like I had to, I was going to have to do something to separate myself. I had a tough transition going to college. I used to sit in my dorm room and really be in tears, crying. Like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Mm-hmm training trying to balance athletics i had a girlfriend back at home that i was trying to keep up yeah. with like, it had so much stuff and i never really spent any time away from home so now i go from south jersey all the way to nebraska i'm 20 hours away from home and 
life is just really difficult for me. I went from being the best guy on my high school team to just another guy on the football team at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, you, when you're a freshman, unless you're some hotshot blue chip recruit, coaches don't pay any attention to you. Right. <laughs> they don't pay any attention to you. So, like, they would say what's up, like, occasionally, and that was kind of the – that was it. Yeah, right, <laughs> so right. you prove that you can score points or be, like, a, a, a big-time factor in helping the team win, they don't really spend a lot of time with you. So that was really tough position for me to be in at that time, man. And I had a hard time transitioning because I was a big, I was big on relationship. Relationship was huge for me. And I didn't have that when I first got there. So that was rough. Was there a, so without a relationship, who influenced you then? I mean, for you to stay around, it had to be some influence to say, Hey, look, man, this is going to work out. Uh, You know, help you in your preparation or whatnot. Was there anyone that was there that, uh, you know, just grabbed you and, and, and took you under their wing? Yeah, you know, so I had a, I had my best friend, Vince Jones, was there, which was huge for me. I had a really good time with him. He kind of took me under his wing. And, but I honestly, I had, to, I had to figure out how I was going to be personally accountable in that difficult time because, like, it was truly where you become a man is when you go to college and you're far away from home. Like, when I think about my, my, my little ones going to school someday, I'm like, I want them to go away so they can start to establish themselves. They can figure out how to work and operate, navigate life without being overseen and micromanaged at every level. And that's kind of what it was. My parents didn't know much about college, so they didn't come on my recruiting trip with me. They dropped me off at the dorms and was like, good luck, here's 100 bucks and a credit card with $250 limit on it, have fun. And that was kind of like the gist of what I had when I left. I brought a 19-inch Sanyo TV and a box full of clothes. And I had to really figure out what life was going to be like. So I had my buddy Vince Jones who was there, but he was already kind of ingrained in the system because he had already been there Mm -hmm. for a year. So when I got there, he wasn't really like taking me in as much as I thought he would because he already had friends. He had a social life. He was in class. He was ingrained in the system. Um, And so it took me a while to kind of get into it. Then I think the biggest change for me was right before Christmas break of my freshman year, coaches asked me if I wanted to be in the starting lineup. If I wanted to challenge the guy at my weight class who was the starter for the starting spot and get into the starting lineup. And so that was for me, I was like, heck yeah. Like I'm tired of being here and just training with no competition. I want to be a guy that can compete and score points for the team. And like, I want to prove my merit. So that was huge. So did you have to cut to that weight class or were you already at that weight class? I was already there. Okay, so already there. So walk us through, because one thing I think we breezed over is the difference in in wrestling from every other sport, right? Everything that goes into it, and you, and you talk about discipline, you talk about grit, you talk about all those things. It's it's one thing to, to be a football, basketball, baseball, track, these other sports, right, where it's like, okay, this is great. But imagine, imagine doing a sport that, I mean, if anybody else – tried wrestling would realize it's physically it's 10 times harder than any of those sports i played them all Phys- wrestling is way harder oh yeah and also you got to cut 10 pounds every week like and, and and with very little actual nutritional guidance even probably when you were in college there's probably not like the most sophisticated nutrition guidance on on the right way to cut weight it was like oh uh you got you got a dual match on tuesday okay and then you're going to eat on wednesday and then you got to cut again on friday to make weigh-ins for the tournament mm, this weekend mm. like it's in your in literally like you would weigh in you'd weigh in like uh like let's just say a wrestling tournament on friday so you got weigh-ins friday morning 
and then you wrestle and you got to eat because you actually need some energy to actually physically compete Form, against right, somebody, right? right? And then that by the end of that night, you're like 12 pounds heavier. And then you got to and then you got to cut back down for the next morning to make sure you make weigh-ins on Saturday morning. So again, talk us through exactly what it's like being a wrestler as a 16, 17, 18 and then into college, like the discipline that it takes to do that compared to some of these other athletes. Yeah, yeah, it's different, man. Like I would always get jealous of the football players. They have the big team dinner the night before the football. Yeah, game. like you know, yeah, what you're like, you're yeah. Like, I'm in the sauna, we're yeah. freaking sitting in a cup. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like it was a very different vibe for us. But you know, it, it's it's the nature of the sport. So I never really took too much um, um, negativity toward it. But mm-hmm. it, it, it's tough. And yeah. you want to tell them, you want to see the measure of a man, you take away their food. Yeah. And then you still force them to compete at a high level. Mm. Um, I think that's the ultra, the ultimate dynamic of wrestling that makes it different than any other sport is not only do you have to compete, but you've got to compete on an empty belly. And the mm. preparational phase is, is completely different. All right. And we are going to take a quick break from Jordan and um, talk about, Something that Jordan likes to do after he goes through a really hard cut. You know, he has to skip some meals, uh, has to be really disciplined, uh, limit his his liquid intake just so he can make weight for, you know, the world championships. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that he's mentioned to me offline is that likes to party his in, brains off. When he's in Dallas, mm-hmm. he likes to drive up seventy five across the Oklahoma line to Durant, mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And partake in the 1832 Steakhouse at Choctaw Casino and Resort. Mm. I mean, what better way to celebrate all of the hard work that you do as a professional wrestler than to go partake in a little pool time, a little fine steakhouse, some great wine, maybe a massage, work out those kinks after Mm -hmm. you just went to war with another man. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me... That's the perfect way to celebrate. It's a great way to celebrate. Whether you're a professional wrestler, whether you're an accountant, whether you're in construction, whatever it is. Whether you're a loser real estate agent. (laughs) Commercial real estate agent. (laughs) (laughs) Treat yourself and head up to Choctaw Casino and Resort. Experience the new expansion. Experience the amazing music venue that they have. Ben, what are some of the artists that are coming this month in November? So in November, we've got sticks playing on the 12th we've got whiskey myers playing on the 19th yeah, yeah. that's Le- it i will be at that so that you will yours. see me there that's definitely right up your alley we got leanne morgan playing on the 20th and we've got the queen baby reba 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 is playing on the 27th right. and it's funny because we read this list and it's only one name you know you've reached elite status whenever you've only got one name yeah i mean reba. we don't even need to say i mean I've got a show with one name, and I'm going to Choctaw. Cause That's right. Resort and That's casino. Right. Also, I want to remind people in November, oh. every single Saturday in November, $1.5 million Moonlight Millions giveaway. They're giving money. Say it again just five more times. Really $1.5 million Moonlight Millions <laughs> giveaway. You can play with your uh, game card there yeah. at Choctaw Casino Resort. Who doesn't like free money? I don't know if you... I love free money. Yeah, I, I like free you money. You might as well. So yeah. anyway, that's every Saturday, November. But get yourself up to Choctaw Casino Resort. Have yourself a great time, yes. just like Jordan, just like Tyler, just like myself and Darren. Get yourself up there. Now back to the episode. Yeah. 
Can you see that when you're competing? I mean, I, I guess I've, I've, I've always been a big boxing fan, but can you see that when a guy has to cut weight and he's dried out and now you're about to, you know, go against him? Can you physically see it? Yes, bro. When you're at weigh-ins, like, oh, you're looking bro. for the guys that are trained. So when you're stepping on a scale with your opponents and you see them, they're emaciated, right? Their cheekbones are sucked in and, like, mm-hmm. their eyes are sunken in. You're like, damn, this guy had a hard cut. I'm going to smash this. And, and you know the other you, you know the other, the other, other one to look for is, and this is really gross, but any of the dudes that had the pee dribbles on their underwear when they weigh in. Because when you're cutting that hard, you, you literally got the pee dribbles. Like, you can't control – Am I wrong? I, I've never looked at the Pedro. Oh, so that's the first thing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the first thing. So you look at you look at sucking in cheeks. I'm looking. I'm looking down at their underwear. That's the first hey, thing. You know, oh, we got a watcher. He's looking at underwear. Yeah, we got a watcher here. We hey, 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 Clutzy, eyes up here, brother. Hey, you're on your own island on that one, my man. But it's a re- it is a real deal. Like it's the dudes maybe in cut, California, the, maybe maybe <laughs> not in Jersey. We don't do that in Jersey. It's intense, like, and I'm sure Darren, you guys have seen it. Like when when you're playing someone, like if you see someone on an injury report, and you know, like, all right, this guy's got a bum ankle, mm-hmm. he's got, yep. you know, he's got a, a a strained hamstring. Like this guy's he's he's in trouble. Like he's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I'm trying to do my best to like push this dude as much as possible and really see if I can break him. Um, and so that's one of the ways that we've always been able to see. It's like if the guy has a tough weight cut, you see him on the scale or you know that he's dealing with something difficult, like you mm-hmm. put the hammer on, you put the heat on him. And see yeah, yeah for sure. I'll say this. One of the, uh, one of the most like uh, discouraging moments that I ever had is there's this guy, he was out of Reno. Uh, the guy's name was Chad Espinosa. I don't know if you remember that name at all. I don't know what he did collegiately, uh, but he was like a four-time Nevada State champion. Remember that Reno TOC tournament? Yeah. So, so, so he won that like four years in a row in high school. And, and I remember, and I was, and I was ranked number one going in, number one in California going into this tournament my senior year. And this dude at weigh-ins is like has a big old dip in and could care less, could care less about weigh-ins in this tournament. I'm like, and I'm like dying right now. Like all I want is a Gatorade right now. Like anything, there's nothing better on the planet than a Gatorade. And he's in there just with a, a with a dip cup, just spitting like. And then he crushed me. He that was his competitive advantage. Absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting to see what the score was. Oh no, he crushed me. Yeah, no, he absolutely crushed me. Uh, yeah, I think I think I think he majored me for sure. But it was yeah. And then I was like, What does majored and, mean? Uh, win by eight points or more. Sorry. Uh, what do you win? What do you? I don't. I know nothing about wrestling. Yeah. I what do you that. go to in wrestling? That's, that's why we're having a team competition <laughs> in wrestling. <laughs> no, we're not. Oh uh, yeah. What do you go up to? <laughs> what do you go to in wrestling? So yeah. So 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 there's 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 a major if you win if you win by eight points or more and then and then if you tech fall it's a technical fall by 15 or more points right so, so you get, we're letting we're letting jordan be silent here and know, he's the sorry, world man. champion sorry. jordan yeah, how yeah. do you what do you how do you score in, in wrestling so so basically it there, there is no point limit per se right so like let's say for example folk style what you see in high school college wrestling um if, if you score more points than your opponent then you win no matter what right. it is it's one oh two one you score more points than you win. If it's a tie score at the end of regulation, you guys go to overtime. First takedown wins. If you win by eight or more points, that's called major decision. 15 or more is technical superiority or tech fall. So if you get ahead by 15 or more points, the match automatically ends. That's mm-hmm. like wrestling version of the mercy rule. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the ultimate victory is a pin. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's if you get a guy's shoulders planted. So it's not like the WWF where the ref is like, one, two. <laughs> like, basically, if you get a guy's back flat, both shoulder blades pinned to the mat for an, even a second, like, it, that's a that's a pinfall. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's the ultimate show of dominance in our sport. Wow. Okay. So the reason the reason there's the different levels is, is whether you're a dual tournament is, like, team versus team, right? And you go weight class by weight class. And then there's the tournament style, which you get points how you win. So if it's just a decision, if you just win, say like two to one, you get a certain amount of points. Uh, if you win by a major, you get more points. If you win by a tech fall, mm-hmm. more points, pin the most points. So things start to change. You're, 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 what happens in your sophomore year? Cause I want to go from your sophomore to your junior year. Cause I know your junior things absolutely changed. But what was your sophomore year like? My sophomore year was, it was solid, bro. It was the first time that I spent all summer really training hard like i stayed in nebraska all all throughout the summer i was taking classes i was making sure that i was dialed in and i i really committed to being a full-time wrestler when i was growing up i was just a seasonal wrestler mm-hmm. i did all sports i was in track and field i did wrestling i'd also do um i did baseball a little bit played some football and so like all those things were things that i was engaged in when i was young so this was the first time that wrestling had become really full-time full-fledged effort um, so that was huge. I spent a lot of time in the room, a lot of time in the weight room, started to get bigger and stronger, really started to develop. And that was huge for me. So how did that translate into to year number two? Um, I mean, I just started to develop physically. I was uh, starting to get bigger and stronger. Like my senior year, I was a 135 pounder in high school. And then my sophomore year, I was a 149 pounder. Um, in college. So I started to really physically develop. I started to get a little confidence and really I went from being at a public school that wasn't highly ranked to now the university of Nebraska, we were a top five team in the country. Mm. So I had great training partners, great coaching staff. We had, you know, uh, just a, a great weight training staff. We had great nutrition program, all the things that I never really had when I was a young man. Now they were kind of at my disposal. So I started to see how professionals were operating. It's like, here's what we eat. Here's who travels with us. Here's how we take care of our bodies. Here's how we recover. And then here's how we prep for our events. And so all those things started to give me kind of insight to what it was like to really be the best in the country. And I started to really dial in on like, damn, man, maybe I could be one of these guys. And it was hard for me because I go from being only a one-time state champ. I'm seeing all the guys that I'm competing against that were like in the magazines, on the covers, Mm. like all ranked highly. I'm like, I can't compete with this guy. Like I, he was the national champ last year when I was just a kid in Sicklerville, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So like my reality didn't align with my vision for myself. Mm-hmm. And so it took me some time to really establish confidence where I'm like, I can wrestle with these guys. I can actually beat these guys. And that took some time. Mm-hmm. See, and, and I love that perspective. I love because you had the hard work that backed it up. You put in the time. And, and, I, and I feel like so many in the younger generation, right, they just want the results, and it's either, either I can do it or I can't do it, mm-hmm. right? And, I, I'm, and if I can't do it, then I'm going to move on to the next thing. Um, you know, you didn't have the, and I'll just say the pedigree, right, like the resume that some of these other guys had that you were wrestling against. But the confidence came with the hard work, and you showed up, and you wrestled against guys that, that you watched, you know, win – you know, the, 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 the national tournament. You watch these guys that you read about when you were in high school, 
and and it and it takes you getting yourself uncomfortable, putting yourself in that situation. I'm sure the nerves when you're wrestling a number one ranked wrestler were different than it was, you know, in a dual match against you know someone else, right? And and but you put yourself there, and then you walked out of it, and it's like okay. So your your sophomore year, how did you end up? What what was the what what did you do compared to your your first year? You you started to turn that around your your second yeah, year, right? Sure. So my, my freshman year, I was 16 and 13. I didn't place at the NCAA tournament. I was one and two at the NCAAs. So my sophomore year, I was 34 and six. Mm-hmm. And I went five and one at the NCAAs. I finished third in the nation. Third, that's right. And so it was, I think the biggest transition is I started to believe, like, I wanted to be one of the guys that people whispered about when I walked into the arena. Mm-hmm. The wrestler that when I stepped onto the mat, all eyeballs in the stands focused on my mat. That, that was big for me um but it, it, it took some time because i didn't i didn't visualize that for myself um and just a few years before i wasn't great and i wasn't highly recruited so i started to just get a little edge to me um but i was still afraid to to wrestle the very best guy so i was 34 and 6 but those six losses were all to guys that were in the top 10 mm. in the nation so when i wrestled those good guys i kind of come out tentative like man let me see what they got i saw they were ranked higher than me so they gotta be better than me mm-hmm. um when I wrestle, I'm like, man, this guy's not as good as I thought he was. But sometimes I waste so much time mm-hmm. feeling him out that I would be down and I wouldn't have enough time to come back by the time I would actually wrestle with confidence. Um, so it took me some time to really, like, ease into this place of, like, just because you lose close to a good guy doesn't mean you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are just trying to keep it close. Like, you'll see it in every sport, at every level. People think that if you lose to a really good team, by a small margin, that makes you a good team. Right. And it wasn't like that. I'm like, bro, like you don't, you're not good because this guy only beat you by a point. He still beat you. Right. And he's going to the next round, and you're going to the wrestlebacks or going home. Like in order to be a good guy, you've got to beat the good guys. And so I wanted to, I wanted to do that. And then once I started beating them, I'm like, well, man, maybe I could dominate these dudes. And once I started dominating them, I never looked back. Yeah, dominate you did. You yes. went undefeated your junior year, undefeated your senior year, win the wrestling version of the Heisman Trophy. What was that like, winning the, the being the best wrestler in the country? It was it was pretty dope, dude. I, it was something that I, I wanted. You know, like anyone who says they don't care about trophies is lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't lie. Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to win everything because if you've competed at this high of a level, you're a true competitor. So no one gets to – contention for a Heisman Trophy without being an ultimate competitor. And it was the same thing for me. When I got to my senior year of college, I wanted to to be the best in the country. I wanted to be the most dominant. Um, so I, I put my foot on the gas every single match. I didn't take any breaks. I stayed focused. I stayed dialed in. Um, but still, there were I think there were four other undefeated guys that year as well. Um, but just my body of work that I had done really was separated me because in between my two national championships was a medical redshirt. So I won the national title in 2009 at 157. Then I tore my LCL, PCL, and my knee mm. in 2010. Took a medical redshirt. Then bumped up a weight class. Came back in 2011, another undefeated season. And I beat the undefeated national champion, returning national champion, to win that national title. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that was huge for me. And that was kind of where I established myself as one of the not only the best wrestlers in the country, but one of the best guys in the world. And my coach was a, a freestyle wrestler. He was a big time guy where he spent time with champions before me, all the African-American champions, 
of yesteryear. Kenny Monday, Kevin Jackson, Townsend Saunders, Elvin Douglas, all these great champions um, in the 80s and 90s. And he's like, listen, you're cut from their buff. Like, I think you can be like these guys. He was like, don't think about just being the best in the nation. you got bigger fish to fly. Every time you compete, I want you to think about specifically being the best wrestler in the world. Wow. Don't wrestle to your competition, smash these dudes, and move on. Mm. And so that was kind of, that was the way that I operated my senior year. And I was just, I was putting the hammer on guys. So, so, so what is the what world? Is, is that us? Oh, we're just, oh, what is world? When you talk about world-class wrestling, and you're starting out, so you step out of the college and you go into to facing those opponents, the Russians and whatnot. What's that look like? Yeah, it's scary, bro. Because <laughs> it's, um, it's a different style. It's a different style of, of, of competition. And you know, we go from folk style to freestyle. The rule system is a little bit different. Um, the competitors are a little bit sharper because you realize that college is a grind. Right? It's almost probably like the difference between NFL and college. Like when you're in college, you're working hard every single day. Like you're going on morning runs and you're going to class and you're coming back for an afternoon practice and then you're going to study hall in the afternoon and then you're back up for a 6 a.m. run in the morning. Yeah. Like once you get to the senior level, it's all about sharpening. Like you don't do as much of the grind. It's really just about being sharp at all times. So when I got to wrestle the Russians and the Azerbaijanians and the Iranians, it was all these guys that they were really sharp at what they did. They were great technically. Mm-hmm. Um but I, like I knew I was strong. I'm like the only reason that I haven't won yet is because I haven't been here. Mm. Like by the time I was my, a senior, I was NCAA champ two times, back to back undefeated seasons, Hodge Trophy winner, and I was just feeling like there's no way there, there's another man in the world that weighs 163 pounds that can beat me in a wrestling match. Mm. I just didn't think it was possible. I felt I felt really confident in my abilities, and um, when I wrestled, I really like just try to display that and every every single time I got a chance to compete so it was really cool man because I tell you what sometimes just operating with confidence is enough to get you past you know some guy that you may have lost to otherwise mm-hmm. it's like if you can just do things hard with a high level of effort like some guys will back down just because of what it will take to beat you mm-hmm. like just wrestling hard it's just like he's wrestling hard and some guys are like nah I'm good I don't, I don't want to do this today. You know what I mean? It was uh, Ray Lewis said it best to me one day. He uh, came to one of our matches and he told us, he was like, he was like, a lot of men want a wrestling match, but very few men want a war. And mm. that's always the way I live my life and the way that I compete. It's like everyone wants a match. Very few want a war. Make it a war. And get into deep water and it's going to be hard for those guys. Gosh, that's gold right there. Mm-hmm. I think I think with wrestling, that's one of the things and, and parents out there take note. That's one of the one of the gifts that you can give your child by exposing them to wrestling is is that point in every match that your your child that you have as a wrestler, you have to make a decision. Do I want to keep fighting or do I want to just roll over? Mm. And and like you said, a majority of the people choose to roll over. Yeah. And it's it's the Jordan Burroughs, it's the Kale Sanderson's, it's the Dan Gables, it's it's those of 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 the world that literally said, No, I'm never going to. I'm never gonna roll because I want a war, dude. Yeah. I, that's gold. You know, that's even in defeat. You know, just the other day, I'm not sure if you're a boxing fan, but we watched De- Deontay Wilder and, and and uh Tyson Fury. You know, that was a big time fight. And the one thing he saw, Tyson Fury was winning that fight. 
near the end. And Deontay Wilder never stopped. Mm. Like, he earned so much respect because he went out on his shield. It's like he, he just felt like, I always got a shot. I'm not going to lay this down. And you're right, man. That's something you can always teach your kids. So you're moving on now. So what, what year is this? When did you start? You know, you, you got out of college. Now you're, no. compete, now you're competing at this, this next level. What's keeping you engaged? Um, it's the opportunity to be successful, to gain a following, to make money, to make a name for myself, just to continue to perpetually grow and develop and elevate my status in this wrestling world. Cause like, I never was popular. Like I never was great. I never was heralded or praised. And so when I started to find success, I'm like, damn, this feels good. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, don't want to go back to the other side. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm winning now and my training's working. I'm dialed in. People respect me everywhere I go. They're calling me champ. Um, the lifestyle was just much different. And so it really helped me to double down on everything that I was doing. Cause I wanted to see just how far I could take it. What, what's an, what is like, how do you generate income as a professional? Is it, is it 100% sponsors that you're partnering with? Like how does, what's a professional wrestler's life look like as far as providing for himself? That's a really good question. Um, I tell you what, what, we don't make as much money as you guys. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Um, I see some of these NFL contracts. I'm like, damn, I chose. Yeah. Um, I'm like, Hey, Bought my son a football before he had a wrestling thing. Like <laughs> but, you know, it's so basically primarily most of our income does come from sponsors, endorsements. Social media has been huge. Um, so, you know, I'm I have the the largest following of any wrestler in the in the country, um, and I'm in the top three. I think I'm third of all wrestlers in the entire world in terms of social media following. Um, and I don't even really have a ton. Before an Olympian, I have like seven hundred seventy thousand. sponsorships comes from endorsements so i've had i've got my own wrestling shoe um, made by asics i've got you know corporate sponsors polo ralph lauren bridgestone comcast xfinity um, and those guys really just come alongside you on your journey and they make digital marketing campaigns they help you to basically what they do is they infuse you with resources so you can wrestle full-time mm-hmm. like you become a real professional so like, okay, JB, we're going to help. You're going to promote our brand on social and we're going to make a commercial. We're going to make all this marketing material in return. We're going to give you these resources so you don't have to get a job and you can wrestle full time. Mm-hmm. And so that's huge because a lot of Olympians can't do that. A yeah. lot of Olympians are working at Home Depot from, you know, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then they go to practice from 3 to 10. And so this is uh, a benefit for me because of my success that I've been able to do this like exclusively when people ask me what I do for a living I'm like I wrestle I'm a professional athlete uh, so it's been a blessing yeah and, and I get that in 2021 I mean you see your big social media following it makes a lot of sense of course you know he, he can support himself through that following but in those early years before Instagram before you know you know those social media platforms got really big what was it like early on trying to support yourself and, and pursue the dream yeah so I won my first senior level tournament a couple weeks after um, my graduation and I won $3,000 wow. $3,000 and it was the most money I'd ever had in my life. That was my like, jump. I'm 22 years old and I won, they sent me a $3,000 check and I go straight to Wells Fargo and I'm excited. Pump. Bro. I can't wait. <laughs> I go up to the cashier and they're like, do you, would you like to deposit? 
this sir? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Straight cash, homie. <laughs> Straight cash, homie. They're like, would you like 50? I'm like, all large, please. <laughs> They're like, would you like an envelope? I'm like, nope. No. Nope. Like, <laughs> that college man. That college lifestyle. <laughs> Gather it up, hold it, put it in my pocket, bro. I was at the bar that night buying drinks for everybody. <laughs> this is never going to end. $3,000. But, like, it was just a blessing for me. And as I progressively got better, I started to win more. The checks started to get bigger. And I started to realize, like, man, maybe I could – this could be sustainable. Um, but I didn't know that I was going to be this. Like, even – 10 years ago when I first won my first world championship, I didn't think I was going to win six of them. I didn't think that 10 years later, I would still be considered one of the best wrestlers in the world. Like that's a, something that I really couldn't imagine at that time because I came in on the precipice of guys starting to make careers out of wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's when MMA started to get big wrestling started to kind of come along with it because a lot of the guys that you see that are UFC champions were former wrestlers, Henry Cejudo, Kamaru Usman, John Jones, like all those guys were guys that were former wrestlers, and so they kind of show a lot of love to to us, and they've been really helpful for us too. I see how he conveniently let yeah. Ben Askren out of that conversation, yeah. uh, as the wrestling community is <laughs> kind of like, uh, <laughs> no, we're not going to bring that one up right yeah. now. We're going to let that one fade a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're not really a planner. Like you're kind of you know clearly by going and cashing your first ever big check. I mean, what what was your like? Long term, was there any long term thought of, of I'm going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to be the best ever, or is it just kind of living in the moment? I'm going to be the best now. No, I, I honestly, I didn't know if I could do that. I didn't know if I could be the best ever. I didn't know if I could do it because it was just a, a time where, you know, the the guy that I was chasing for such a long period of time is a guy named John Smith. He's the head coach at Oklahoma State now, and he won his sixth championship in 1992. Um, so it had been a long period of time in between when he won and when I started to go on this streak in my wrestling career. So it was just a much different era. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize, like, man, once I won one, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Won a little bit of money. Maybe I can win the Olympics. Won the Olympics, boom, right away, very next year. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, man, I feel good about what I'm doing. I'm young. I'm just starting this. I'm fresh out of college. How much did I win? I won a third one in a row. Boom, undefeated. Hadn't lost yet three years in. And so then I started to think, well, man, I got three. John had six. Maybe I could get six. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it, it took me, it took me only three, my first three years, I won my first three. And then it took me another eight years to win the next three. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, it was a crazy time where, you know, you think it's this streak is going to be consistent. You're going to win every single thing that you compete in. The money's going to keep rolling in. But then other guys emerge, right? There's some guy that was the, the guy wrestling the world championship finals. Crazy story. So the guy that I wrestled in the world finals just a couple of weeks ago was a kid from Iran. He is only 19 years old. Mm. I won my very first title in 2011, 10 years ago, when he was only nine years old. Wow. And so I, I was rolling, never even considering who I would have to compete against in the future. Like, the guy that is going to beat me three, four years from now is a 12 year old kid sitting on his mom's couch. Mm-hmm. Having mm-hmm. You know, so you, you just never know who's going to emerge um, and at what time, but it's been a, it's been a kind of a special journey for me because 
wrestlers don't last this long. Mm-hmm. Right. For, so most Olympians, they go one, two cycles and then they're out. I was the oldest guy on Team USA this year and uh, and a world champion. Um, so it's, it's pretty special what I've been able to do, the longevity that I've been able to sustain. And really that's just because of the people that have been around me and, and just crazy discipline. Jordan, what's it like to represent the country? It's nothing like it, bro. I like, I feel, and I say this respectfully because, you know, I'm, I want to honor everyone who's ever served in the military, but I, I feel like that's how I feel. Like, I feel like being a part of the U S military when I step out there um, on behalf of the U S it's a really special occurrence for me. Like I take a lot of pride in wearing the stars and stripes. I want to win so I can see the American flag hoisted above every other country's mm. here. Our national anthem played like every single time that happens for me. Um, it's a, it's a special moment and I never uh, take it for granted. So yeah, when, cause you can't buy that single. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, it's like the Jersey that you wore, you can't, you can go and buy a replica from fanatics or NFL.com, but you can't get the game worn Jersey that has to be given to you. Right. That can only be earned. And so that's how I feel about my singlet. You can't just go online and buy the singlet. They only give one to the, of these and that's to the guy that earns it. Um, and so it's really special for me. So let's, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about the eight years, um, after your first three world championships, um, you face some adversity, right? You, you were rolling three years in a row. Um, nobody beat you. What was it like? Was there questions when you lost, when you lost a world championship or was there a question, you know, when you didn't win, you know, in the Olympics or, I mean, what was, what was that battle back like to say, okay, Hey, look, Look, I, I, minor setback, but I'm pressing forward because because the ultimate goal is still there. Yeah, yeah, that, and that, you have to be reminded of that sometimes because you know in in the difficulty you start to wallow in your own self pity. Like, man, I'm running out of time. How much longer can I do this? Do I even want to do this? It's going to take me extra years. I could have been doing something else by now. Um, you know, but one of the hardest things about being an athlete sometimes you have to reconcile with once you lose something, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like you may never get a chance to get it back. You know, as much as people want to be like, oh, you'll get another chance next year or your best days are still ahead. Like you might not get this back. Mm-hmm. What may have been lost, maybe lost forever. And it just wasn't meant for you. Mm-hmm. It's sitting in someone else's trophy case and they're going to be celebrated for it. And you just got to get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's something that I've had to deal with, but it's also made me a stronger individual spiritually because I've learned that, every place that I've been is where God desires for me to be. And there's a lesson for me to learn from every loss, every victory, every difficulty, every level of adversity that I face. Like I have something to learn. from. All right. We're going to take a quick break uh, once again uh, to celebrate one of our partners. Uh, And one of our partners, I think that our guest right now um, would, would validate is as important part of his training regimen as anything and that's recovery making sure that if i'm going to be considered the best in the world when i when i go out on that mat and i'm looking that guy across across the the mat and i know that i'm better than you because i'm the best in the world to get there you got to be able to recover i mean you'll hear that jordan talks about in the episode if we haven't already gotten to it right now is that he says there's times that I'm on vacation with my family that I have to get another hotel room just to make sure that I'm getting the sleep that I need to recover. 
That is the most elite athlete on this planet recognizing how important it is to recover. And sleep number does it better than mm-hmm. anybody in the business. Yeah, they've uh, done this technology. They've taken te- the mattress technology game to the next level, which is unreal what they're doing. They've got the sleep number 360 smart bed with their sleep IQ technology. Does all sorts of things like heart rate, respiratory rate, all of these recovery metrics that Tyler was talking about to let you know that you are recovered and well-rested. In fact, they did a study, and they said that sleep number IQ bed sleepers, if you will, got almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year. Per year. Per year. And I don't know about you, but I could, I could use 100 extra hours yes. of sleep per year, especially with the little ones running around. Sleep is vital. We all know how we drag the next day without good sleep. Sleep Number has stepped up their game to help you recover, to help you sleep better. So go get yourself involved at a local Sleep Number store or go online to sleepnumber.com to get yourself one of these smart beds. Now back to the episode. Because when you win, like, you don't question anything. Mm-mm. When you win, you just like, damn, I'm good. I'm nice <laughs> yeah. with it, right? Yeah, you know I mean, you go celebrate, you have some food, and you let everyone praise you for a few months until it wears off, and then you get back to it. But when you lose, you question everything. You're like, Dan, did I do the right things in training? Did I cut my weight right? Am I in the right location? Do I need a new coach, new training partners? Mm-hmm. And taking too much time with my family. There's always this battle. It's like when I'm with my family, I feel like I need to be training. When I'm training, I feel like I need to be with my family. So it's like there's always a psychological warfare that you're playing where you're trying to balance life. But sometimes there is no balance. Mm-hmm. You just got to go all in and try to do what it is that you do best because it makes you feel purposeful. So like I have a great wife. She's been really helpful in allowing me to do my thing um, because it, sometimes it can get crazy where like we've gone place trips where we travel together and the family's all with one another and I'm sleeping in a different hotel room in the same hotel just so I can get sleep. Yeah. Right? Or mm-hmm. I'm gone for three weeks in a row to make sure that, you know, I'm, taking care of business or like even when our baby was born, I left to go to Norway for the world championships while Lauren and the baby were still in the hospital, wow. you know, four hours after birth. So it's like crazy stuff like that, that you have to make a ton of sacrifices to, to get to what it is that you want to achieve. So you have to have someone that's understanding in that process, but it's just become part of what we, what we do and who we are. Yeah. Um, the blessing is the difficulty has helped me become a better person. Um, giving me more lessons that I can teach my kids as they unquestionably will face um, some of the same things that I've experienced growing up. But also, like, it makes every victory that much sweeter. Mm. It's like, when I was young and I was winning, I had no perspective. <laughs> it was like, you just win everything, so, like, nothing means a whole lot. And and when you start to lose and you start to get beat and it takes you a little bit more time and you work hard and you do everything right and you still lose, mm. like, that's, that's a challenge, bro. Like, you can do everything perfectly and still not win. That's right. And, and that's humbling. That's humbling. Most people want to hold back a little bit because they're like, well, if I would have given more, I could have won. Like if I would have wrestled a little harder, I could have won. But when you give everything you have and you still get beat, like how do you, how do you face that? Like it takes a special individual with like a lot of transparency, a lot of vulnerability to, to kind of face that and still be able to move forward with enthusiasm. So, yeah. so, so you are, so you're 32, correct? 33. 33. Okay. So 33. And you have outlasted 99.9% of really kind of the wrestling community, right? From a, from a longevity standpoint, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, right? You learned a lot from losses, but like speak on identity, right? Your, your identity 
and you mentioned your faith too, right? And that's, that's, that's massive. But as you, as you approach, cause you know, man, I'm praying that you got another five years, you know, another, another two, you know, another uh, Olympics. And then, uh, you know, a couple, let's get 10, let's go for 10. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, as you approach that, right. How, how are you going to address your identity? Because you're, you know, you're JB Jordan Burroughs, like the champ, right? Like, You've been known as a wrestler for more than a decade on a global platform. Like when wrestling is done, how are you gonna how are you gonna move forward? It's gonna be hard, bro. Like I'm not even questioning the fact that it's gonna be a difficult transition for me. Like when I finally finish and I put my shoes up for good, like it's gonna be it's not gonna be easy. Because I, this is what I've known for. So I started wrestling when I was six. I've been wrestling yeah. since, since. And it's pretty much the lifeblood of everything that I do. Everywhere that I go, the way that I operate, the way that I eat, the way that I treat people um, has been because of things that I've learned in wrestling. So when I step away from the sport, um, there's two things. One, I can say for sure that I've given absolutely everything that I have. I never cheated the game, never cut corners. Never took any shortcuts. I always did it the right way. And I always played fairly. It's going to be hard because I love it so much that I may never find anything that I love as much as wrestling. And that's, that's tough. That's tough for a lot of people, a lot of former athletes where, you know, at 33, most people are settling into what they're going to do for the rest of their life. I'm transitioning out of what I've done all my life. All right. And that, that's, that's, that's a sobering thought. Um, can I find someone that I'm something that I'm passionate about? That's going to be the question. So, you know, right now I'm trying to kind of figure out what's next. Like, how am I going to satisfy and like quench my competitiveness every single day? And that's why I look to guys that had success post um, career, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, you know, Michael Jordan, like all these guys that have kind of found ways to parlay their success as athletes into you know, these businesses, these different industries where they enjoy it. But ultimately it's, it's still hard, man. Like mm -hmm. money, it's not money. It's right. clearly not. If it was money, I would be in the UFC right now, you know, fighting for a million bucks. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's honor. It's, uh, it's glory. It's respect. I always told myself, it's like, there's only one thing cooler than being the richest guy in the room. And that's being the toughest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be the toughest guy in the room. Right. Um, that's kind of where I stand. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I know, I know Darren and I, you know, a, a, a few years ahead of you in that transition, I was 32 and you were 36 when yeah. you made the transition. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you guys? It was rough, man. Yeah. I was, I think the one thing you do have on your side and he and I definitely had on our side, man, is we believe, man, we are faithful believers in God and, and that he's going to catch us. So that's the one foundation that you have, man, that's there. And he's going to take care of you in that process. But it was, man. As an individual, it was hard. It was really hard because it's similar to you. You said you've been wrestling since you were six. I've been playing football since I was seven yeah. and never really missed a season. Just this is what I did, and, it's, and I was wrapped up in that identity, similar to, mm -hmm. to you, Tybo, and, and you, Ben. But it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a hard transition, man, but you will find your way. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm serious. You will, you will find your way, man. You just got to, you know, those, it's those days, the same days. I don't know if we broke up. We, did we lose you? No. But it's the same days that you're out on that mat and you're working your ass off. The next one, you're going to be doing whatever it is, 
same time, pour the same energy into it, man. You will bounce back. You yeah. got the work ethic. You'll 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 make it happen. Yeah, I think I think too is is your perspective that you have. <clears throat> Don't expect to to replace the passion. Don't expect to replace the the intensity because nothing can. Like you are you are doing something that point zero like less than football like right yeah. less people on the planet can do what you do yeah, than true. than can compete yeah. at, at, at the level that darren competed at the the level that i played at and so if, if you're just honest and saying hey look like i'm not trying to replace it but like okay what's next right what can i do and i think your, your point right like understand that look my my identity as a wrestler although it being probably 30 years by the time it's all said and done right but what is that in the scheme of things as opposed to eternity, right? Like, where's the identity there, right? Like, what, what is that? So that gave me peace. That gave me a lot of peace with saying, okay, look, yeah, it's really hard. But, like, man, my identity is in something that lasts a whole lot longer than my football career yeah. did, right? Um, but then, man, you got, you got support around you. You know, yeah. you got a, your wife and, and what she's been. I mean, pour back into her and, and you know, she'll understand that she's got she's to support, support through you. Pick up hobbies is, is yeah. it a, a, some advice that I have, like some, some outlets that, that allow you. Hey, like, you got four hobbies right now, brother. <laughs> I see him walking around you right now. <laughs> Me and Kim, bro. Me and Kim, yeah. we're going to be busy. I'm not even going to have time to think about the transition. No. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's finding that purpose that you can pour into, you know, yeah. finding that focus that you can shift to. And for you, it's those four babies and your wife. And, but what that, that does lead me to my next question. What do you think it could be? What, what are things that you're interested in? What are you dabbling in now to help with that transition? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I like commentary. I really like mm. uh, able to talk about the sport, color commentary, NCAA championships, um, Big Ten championships, things of that nature. I really enjoy wrestling, um, and I never can leave it in a certain capacity. I'll always kind of remain within it. Mm -hmm. We'll see how that goes. Uh, my dream, though, is to have my own high-performance training academy um, in somewhere beautiful where we specialize on holistic training, starting at the youth level and then all the way up through the senior level professionals, uh, helping in – you know, guys that go on to wrestle not only collegiately, but for their Olympic and world championship aspirations, helping MMA fighters, UFC transition and sharpen up their wrestling skills. Like, I think it would be a really cool experience for me to be able to do that. Plus, I've got four little ones that I want to wrestle. Yeah. You know, my, mm -hmm. my oldest um, and our little girl, Aura, are both into wrestling right now, uh, amongst other things. But I think wrestling is such a great sport in terms of teaching character. And there's so much that I learned that I want them to experience because, you know, there's so many great things that you can do out there. But I think wrestling is is special because of who it helps you to become. Mm. You know, and even if you're not great at it, it, there's so many lessons that you learn just from being involved in it. Uh, so I'm like, hey, listen, you don't have to be a professional. You don't have to be an Olympic champion, get a scholarship, mm. but you will wrestle. So, right. <laughs> if you're a bro's kid, yeah. um, and so I plan on having all of our little ones, both girls and boys, involved in the sport. Yeah. Love and, it, and uh, yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. I, I'm going to warn you right now; it's going to be really hard for you to go to competitions and tournaments and watch these other wrestling dads now, knowing what you know. <laughs> it is going to be real. I'm coaching my son's flag football team, and it is so hard. 
like listening to these other dads try to coach football and like get, try to get in fights with these volunteer refs. And I'm like, oh, yo, crazy. chill, chill. Crazy. <laughs> I, uh, you know, so when my son started wrestling, I brought him to a local wrestling club. We're in Nebraska still. And I didn't like sitting on the side. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Man, I, I want to give respect to the coaches. I want to honor them. Yeah. I don't step over their step on their toes and be like, Hey, listen, I'm an Olympic champion. I know what I'm doing better than you. That's terrible technique. This is how we should, <laughs> but you know, there were certain times where I thought I could just add some commentary and be a little bit more helpful and keep eyes on the kids and keep them focused. And so I, I had to step back for a moment. I started to call a bunch of wrestling dads that I knew and talk to my wife about it. Like, Hey, do you think it would be, you know, intrusive of me to kind of ask the coach if I could, you know, get out on the mat and put my wrestling shoes on and maybe help out. And, you know, everyone was like, no, they were like, I think it's weirder that you're an Olympic champion. You're just sitting it's in the stands. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watching, watching someone else, you know, coach all these kids, um, they would love to have you. So I think the blessing is anywhere, any wrestling room that I go to instantly, they're going to give me the merit to just kind of do yeah. my thing. Mm-hmm. But I also want to be careful because I don't want to, have my reputation perceive me so much where there's just going to be expectation wherever where I go that I'm just going to all of a sudden just start coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and so it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. We're trying to figure out how to, and there's, to and there's a line too, right. Where as a, as a parent, there's a point too, where like, this is what I struggle with is yeah. like, I want to be my, I want to be my son's fan. I want to be my daughter's fan. Right. Like I don't always want to be the coach. Right. Because sometimes it's hard because like I, it's like, I, I, I just listen to what I'm saying. Like, just, it, it's, it's, I know how to do it. I know the right way to do it. Just do what I'm saying. It's not that, you know, and it's like, I also just want to be able to like, all right, like, hey, you tried, you played really hard today. I mean, there's mistakes. We'll clean them up. But man, I'm proud of you. As a coach, it's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as, as we, hey, no, no, I got, this dude is, not, I tell you, he is a coach. But you know, he's, he's that coach. He's that coach. He's that coach. <laughs> no, you, you know haven't even that. seen the other coaches. So yeah. be careful what you're saying. He's that. Coach, he's the coach so. that he's got his seven year olds out there eight nights a week, two yeah. times a day, yeah. Yeah. practicing. He's Belichick. practicing for yes. a flag football, and they don't even win the game. Apparently, <laughs> we're yeah. finding out. Yeah, it's our first loss. Yes, our hey, first loss. They, uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm look. Hey, two and a half hours of conditioning. I hope that it got. I hope it got through their head. Those seven-year-olds are going to remember that loss. Oh, man. Jordan, as we wrap up here, man, one thing I did want to ask you about, you know, we're all three fathers, as you can, you know, you've, you've picked up so far. Off the wrestling, what do you call it, a court? Matt. Matt, Matt sorry. Wow. Bro. <laughs> my God. You're so, That's terrible. You're Abilene, so, you're so Abilene, West Texas, Texas bro. Dude. You're so Abilene, West Texas. We wrestle cattle. Texas. We don't wrestle human yeah, beings. You do some cow tipping. <laughs> So uh, let me get back to my question. Go ahead. Too. Off the wrestling mat, though, you know, you look at 2021, things, things are wild right now, or at least we're exposed to more in 2021. We talked about the great side of social media, how it can provide, you know, an income from our family and things like that. But as you raise your kids, as you look forward, how do you, how do you handle the whole, you know, society and your kids? What, are, what things are you teaching them to be able to handle to be able to be successful in, in this world? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're principle-based here um, in everything that we do. So it's work hard, be kind, and really those are kind of basically two principles that we 
operate under work hard, be kind, mm. listen to mom and dad. I always try to tell my kids, like, listen, if you listen to me and your mom, you will have a good life. Mm-hmm. It seems super simple, kind of egotistical, but I'm like, if you listen to mom and dad, you will have a good life. We're always going to put you in position to be successful and to have wins. I'm going to give you the best advice possible. If I don't know it, I'm going to find someone that does know it. But I also want you guys to understand that you're going to have to get to this on your own. Mm-hmm. One of the crazy things for them is when what they experience is when they see people when we're out in public and they're like, hey, JB, like, can we take a photo? They're like, how does everyone know your name? Like, why does everyone want to take a picture with you? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, they never really understood that what I did was work because they considered it a hobby. They're like, well, dad, I wrestle. I go to wrestling practice. You go to mm-hmm. wrestling practice. You just play sports. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I do, I play. So, you know, I try to bring them around my training as much as possible. So they understand like, Hey, listen, this is how everything around us was created. My dad's diligent work, these road climbs, these pull-ups, the sweat, this time on the bike, this time in the sauna, these meals that I've skipped, all of this has helped to establish everything that you see here. So someday it's going to be your turn to go out there and get it on your own. Mm -hmm. and you're in position to do those things. But you also have to learn to listen. You've got to work hard. You've got to be kind to the people around you. You've got to operate with humility. You've got to be coachable. Understand that there are people who know more than us. And if we want to get better, then we're going to have to practice and we have to be consistent with that practice. Right. And so I, the more that I can teach them those principles, I think the better off they'll be. There's no guarantees that they're going to be great at anything. But we have a lot of resources, a lot more than I had growing up. So there's really no excuse. It's like, I'm not expecting you to be the best in the world, but I won't accept mediocrity. We're going to push you. I'm going to love you through this, but I'm going to challenge you because that's the only way that you can grow. You need resistance to grow. And so I'm going to put those challenges in your way and try to see how far we can go together. Yeah, that's awesome. I love love that. And, and, And parents out there, Hear this, as, as Jordan said earlier in the episode, you know, his, his parents didn't play sports. Mm-hmm. They weren't world-class athletes. Mm-hmm. But what they did instill in him was hard work and discipline and, and the, the, the need to progress and move forward and grow, right? Mm-hmm. Because, of, because of a parent that didn't have an athletic background created one of the best wrestlers this world has ever seen who is now pouring that into his kids. I mean, think about as a parent, right? The impact by the way that you raise your kid. And you talked about, you know, this craziness in the world, the impact that you have raising your child, what that can do on a global scale. Like if you raise your child to work hard and be kind, think about, I mean, the impact that Jordan is going to have on a global level, people that interact with him at these tournaments that watch him, that follow him on social media. I mean, dang near a million people are watching everything that he does on social media, the way he interacts because of the hard work that he instilled. He has that platform. So parents, I encourage you, please set the standard, hold the standard because your kids are going to be better. And then the exponential impact that they're going to make that's that's what matters, and that's yeah. how we turn it again. Not to get the political, but like that's how we turn this ship in the right direction. Is you focus on your kids, teach them the right way to do things, and show them. Most importantly, you saw your dad work hard, right? You saw him go every day sacrificially to work, and that's why you are the way that you are. That's right. 
Yep. That's right, bro. You got. I mean, you got to lead by example. That's the great thing. It's like each of us have an opportunity to kind of lead by example. Like we don't have to in, invite or introduce our kids to anyone else. It's like we they have heroes right inside of their home, mm, right. you know, and that a really special thing for us it's like we if we embody all the things that we preach to all the all the campers that we've taught all the clinics that we've been to all the keynote speeches that we've given like we've got to be able to do that in our home i saw i saw a quote the other day that was huge it was like if you're winning in the workplace but you're losing at home you're losing yeah. period mm-hmm. like yeah. jobs yeah. are meant and created so you can support and provide for your family not at the expense of your family mm-hmm. yeah what does it profit you, you know, to have all of these incredible accomplishments outside of the home? But, you know, you, you're not a great leader at home. Yeah. yeah. It's like, how, how can I trust you to lead me and you can't lead your own family? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, I, that's, a, that's huge. That's something I always want to kind of represent. And, and that's something I always want to give to the world. So, yeah, I got a lot of work to do. But yeah. more than Last question before Ben hits it. No, I got one. I got a question. I need to take you there. I need to, I need to ask this question because you know, you, you play a sport that it's a one-on-one and there, there is no team. There's no someone throwing you the ball or you're, you know, you're, you're counting on counting on someone else to give you something. It is just you and the guy across from me. Take me into your mind before the championship match. What is that? What are you doing I'm leading up to, to that, yeah, I, I just want to hear that. I'm scared to death mm-hmm. when I'm sitting in that tunnel. And so, what they do in wrestling is you they call you to stand in a tunnel together, so you're literally right side by side with your opponent, right? So, I'm here, Russia's next to me, my coach is behind me, his coach is behind him, and they have an aide that has a little cart. And that cart is where you put all your things and you put your headphones, put your phone in there, take off your T-shirt and you're just straps up in your singlet. So you're bouncing, thinking about your final preparation. And you're like, it's like Mike Tyson asked, you're like, damn, have I done everything right? Is this guy ready? What has he done in his training? Has he been watching me throughout the rest of the day? Man, did I eat the right things this morning? Did I get enough sleep? Can this guy beat me? What if I lose? How am I going to deal with this? My family's in the stands. What's the after party going to look like? And so as you go to the tunnel, like, okay, red, blue. And they're like, all right, red, you're up. And then they call you. Smoke starts to come up. United States of America at 79 kilograms. Jordan Burroughs, right? So you run out and the camera's on you. And then you hear the crowd going wild. And as you run up those stairs onto the stage and the platform, you step into the center and you shake hands with your opponent. Everything that you were just thinking in the tunnel, it just kind of goes away. And you kind of morph into this time warp where everything slows down and you can't hear anything. All you can do is visualize everything that you've been thinking about in every day of training. I think about all the sacrifices that I've made, all the work that I've done. I ask myself two questions. Did I give 100% of my training? Am I willing to give 100% right now? Mm. And if the answer to that question, both of those questions is yes, then I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. I so many times with that I've sabotaged my performance because I got f- afraid at the last moment. I'd done everything right, but I was afraid to give it my all. And so I'm like, I've seen what that side looks like. I could be scared, play with fire and lose, or I can give it my all. And at least if I get beat, I can live with that. 
Yeah. I can live at least knowing that this guy was just better than me this day. At least I gave everything that I had. Um, and so, yeah, bro, it's, it's a, it's a special moment being out there on that stage. I enjoy it. And that's what I'll miss most about this sport is there's no subjectivity. There's no judgment. Like literally the guy who gets his hand raised typically is the guy that's worked harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get from this sport what you put into it. And that's been a blessing for me. So that's why I love it. I'm going to miss mm-hmm. it. Goosebumps, man. Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready to run through a yeah. brick wall. That took me back, man. That was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. I almost yeah. don't want to ruin it with another question. But Tyler, you got a question before our final question. Well, you, you already <laughs> answered it a little bit, but walk us through and you, you said, hey, look, I'm, I'm not going the UFC route. Yeah. Um, walk us through that decision because that, you know, at, at this level, right, you could, you could step into that ring and do very, very, very well. And like you said, make a million-dollar check with, with the name behind it, with your performance in the octagon, you could do very well. What was your decision and reasoning not going the UFC route? I just don't want to get punched in the face. <laughs> I want to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, like, it's, it's a beautiful sport. I love the craftiness necessary to be great at it, but it's also brutal. Um, you lose a wrestling match, right? You got taken down or you got put to your back or pushed out of bounds. And you go home, you have you know dinner with your family, and you go sleep with your wife. If you lose a UFC fight, you got something broken, you got choked out, yeah. tapped out knocked out and you go to the hospital afterwards mm-hmm. it's a different level of of uh, of pounding that you take because of how brutal the sport is and we really haven't even touched the edge of i imagine what they're going to start to discover from these guys that have been mm-hmm. in this sport for a long time you know you talk about cte in the nfl like imagine what guys oh, that are man. taking yeah. shots head repeatedly yeah. you know for, for a decade yeah look like. so you know, I think the best way to do it is the way guys like Conor McGregor have done it. Uh, George St. Pierre have done it where, you know, you get to a high level and then you, you get out. It's mm. so like, I, right. I proved my, my worth. I'm great at this sport, but, you know, I also want to preserve my body. I've made yeah. plenty of them. Yeah. Um, so I, every time I think about it, I'll watch a fight and then I'll see someone get beat up and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it dep- honestly, See, it still depends. Like, if someone came to me with, like, a real formal offer of a big check, like, if someone offered me a million dollars for a single fight, I'd do it. There's yeah. no question. Mm-hmm. I just need a year. Give me a year to train. Yeah. I, I can compete at a high level. I don't know, because I heard mean, it if here somebody, first. If somebody, there you go. Dana, Dana White, you heard it here first. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan's ready. <laughs> seven figures. Give him a year. Gotta be seven figures. There's yeah. some weird things I'd do for a million bucks. You know what I mean? Like, I'd get punched in the face for a million yeah. bucks, for sure. I don't know, though. Jordan, <laughs> <for a dollar. laughs> Jordan, good, good, good looking guys like me and you, we weren't meant to be punched in the face. So. <laughs> it's just like, it's, it's different, bro. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many people really love to fight. Uh-huh. Like you love the check, you love the fame, you love the celebrity sitting ringside, you love you know everything that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many people really get in that cage, and when that cage is locked behind them, they like love it. They love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Are the Diaz brothers maybe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're a little, they're a little crazy. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> and you, yeah, you need a little crazy to be great at that. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. Do you ever, do you ever spar with some of those guys? Do you ever no, go no, through? So I, you know what? I've gotten a ton of offers from those guys. Roy, 
uh, McDonald and Tyron Woodley and all these guys to come and train and spend time with them and spar with them, but it's just never really worked out with my schedule. Mm. That's why I think it's a business post wrestling career for me is to to really help a lot of those fighters sharpen up on their wrestling skills. Yeah, yeah. I know they can utilize what is necessary in that sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm all for it. I'd love yeah. to teach the high level. Uh, fighters to to start to do that yeah one thing that to me that's that's tough about like the the mma deal is as you mentioned you know you're going through a match like usually it's the guy that's prepared more wins in a wrestling match i mean you may lose a scramble here and there and you may you know get out of position a little bit here and but like it's it's not like the nfl it's like any given sunday any team can win usually the 99% 99% of the time in wrestling, 95% of the time, the better person wins those matches, usually. Whereas, like, MMA, it's like you could by far have a better camp, come in ready to go, but they could just catch you, mm-hmm. clip, and, yep. and you lose. Yep. You go night-night. Yeah. And that's what's hard. That would be hard to swallow, right? You're like, if, if I lose this match, it's and, – and I've done – I've answered those two questions. I'm good with it. But it's like – yeah, no. You could answer those two questions and still call no. Yeah. 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 yeah, you have to get waking up. I've never got waking up. <laughs> am I in Norway or Vegas? Where am I? <laughs> All right, Jordan. We we know you got to let we let you. Get, wow, we know we got to let you go. Uh, last question we ask every guest, but before we get there, just want to make people aware of your social media which is one of the greatest social media names of all time. All I see is gold. gold yeah, that is that's cool. on Instagram. That's on Twitter. You got Jordan burrows.com. Uh, do you have, yep. you have a YouTube channel now? Yep. Okay. YouTube yeah. Is, uh, I think it's all I see is gold too. Okay. So, that's that's brilliant. Who came up with that name? I, I did random. Look at um, you. My senior year of college, I actually made my Twitter and my Instagram handle. And it, I only, I just wanted to do it because I didn't want to just do like at Jordan Burroughs. Everyone right. was like just at their name. And so I kind of wanted to do something different. So I was like, well, man, what can I make cool? I'm like, okay, every time I compete, I want to win first place. First place, once you get older, senior level, it doesn't really, you don't win trophies anymore. You kind of win gold medals. So gold, like that's all good. I see. Gold. Yeah, and at good. first I thought it was real cheesy. Um, and that no one would like it, but then I started winning. Yeah. <laughs> and people were like, damn, this dude really does only see gold. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really odd if he didn't win. That'd be kind of awkward. But. It's, it's funny, too, even sometimes, like, when I see my handle, like, amongst other handles um, of athletes, and everyone still has their name. Mm. It's like, you know, everyone still has their name, and then mine is just, like, super random. Like, all I see is gold. I love it. If you come across that, you would never know it's me, but it's just, it's come, you know, synonymous with me. All right. Last question. If you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, you look back at your, you know, your 33 years, if you go back and just tell yourself one thing, doesn't mean you change anything, but just go tell yourself something. Where do you go and what do you say? I would go back to like 2012. And I would tell myself, buy a bunch of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest okay. last week said the same thing. Same thing. thing. <laughs> oh, bro, I would spend I would, every single dime that I had. I'd, buy, <laughs> Bitcoin. I'd be a rich man right now. Oh, <laughs> we got some intelligent investors. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's, that's right. Awesome. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, we appreciate your time. We know you got to go. You got, 
a bunch of people uh, waiting on you. So we appreciate your time and thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Man, appreciate you guys. Yeah, right appreciate you. If you're yeah. ever ever in Dallas, I don't know why wrestling would bring you to Dallas, but you're ever yeah, here, are, man. I'm going to Dallas in a, in, a, in a few months. We got a huge wrestling event at the new Texas Rangers Arena. Oh, oh yeah. On the baseball field. They're putting mats right in the smack dab in the center of the baseball field, and we're wrestling against the Iranian national team. Dude, yeah, hey, awesome. hey, sounds like us, a good first us, wrestling hey, match. Send, for if, me. You, if you don't mind, I know you got a lot going, but send us some info. Let's connect because I want to bring my kids yeah. for sure to that. Yeah. I want Ben to see his first wrestling match. The 12th of February 12th. Um, so it's, it's a big duel. So there's two duels going on simultaneously. One is Iowa versus Oklahoma State. Okay. Mm-hmm. And USA versus Iran. Right. We're in. So, Okay. Super cool. Tickets are on are on sale right now. So okay, you guys, it's called it's called Bout at the Ballpark. If you Bout, just go Bout at the Ballpark. Okay, Bout right. at the Ballpark. We're in. All right, awesome. awesome. I love it. We'll see you there. But hey, hit us up if you're after after you make weight, man. I'd love to take you out to dinner, man. Show you around <laughs> Dallas. Yeah, let's go, bro. All right, <laughs> All right. Jordan. Good stuff. Thanks, man. JB. Thanks, man. See you guys. You too. Nice Appreciate you.